Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free live mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS. I can't wait to see you there. When they get frustrated, don't let them walk away. Let them sit in their frustration. Let them figure it out. And I think that the undoing of giving up before you even try. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 177. Today we're talking about becoming brave, not perfect with Reshma Sajani. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, which I'm so excited about. You should soon be able to go to RaisingGoodHumansBook.com and get some book bonuses if you pre-order. Super, super exciting. But that is not what we are talking about today. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Dear listener, I am so glad to be in your ears. And I am so excited for you to join me as I talk to Reshma Sajani. She's the author of the international bestseller, Brave, Not Perfect, and the New York Times bestseller, Girls Who Code, Learning to Code and Change the World. And she is the founder and CEO of that organization, Girls Who Code, you, which you might have heard of. It's an international, it's huge, it's a huge nonprofit organization, and it's working to close the gender gap in technology while teaching girls confidence and bravery through coding. So don't you turn off this podcast if you have boys, because this has a lot to do with women in general. So you're going to learn a lot today, including, I'm so excited for you to, to be part of this conversation, you know, because the thing is like, even moms, right, we are, we were also girls once who are socialized to avoid risk and failure. Well, you know, boys are expected and rewarded to take risks and be brave, right? And so, this leads to, like like we talked about in episode 176 with Mary-Laura Philpot, you know, a whole bunch of women who are paralyzed by perfectionism and unable to take steps outside our comfort zones and tamping down our dreams, right? So we this is really important, vital stuff for everyone to hear. And I'm so excited for you to join me at the table as we 
talk about how we can get confused between the things we're good at and the things we like. So I want you to listen up for this piece, right? Um, how our fears of girls getting hurt can actually lead them to limit themselves later on and how we need to slow down and give kids time to figure out things for themselves, uh, which can be hard in our fast-paced world. I totally, totally get that. So before we dive in, I am just wanted to give a quick shout out for sharing the love of this podcast. If you have been listening and you haven't yet left a review where you listen to the podcast, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts makes a huge difference uh, for their algorithm, helping people find the podcast and growing the tribe. So please take some take a moment to leave a review or share it with your friends that makes such a huge difference and is a great way to be a supporter of this podcast so we can continue to do the work it takes to get it to you. So thank you so much in advance, my friend. All right, now join me at the table as I talk to Reshma Sajani. Reshma, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you about your book, Brave, Not Perfect. Yes, what a fabulous title. And I got to watch your TED talk about it. And, you know, you have this whole story of growing up and having your own brave moment. So I think that seems like as good a place to start as any with your own brave moment. In 2012, you you ran for Congress. And so I'm just wondering, like, it seems like you must have had a few brave moments before yeah. that to have that really big one. But tell me a little <laughs> bit more about what, what brought you to that place. So my parents came here as refugees. Like, I have always, I know it sounds cheesy, but like I've always wanted to change the world because like this country saved their life and I like, I wanted to give back. And I thought that the best way I would do that was through public service, right? Like, so I was like always on debate team and like, I love to argue and I was, you know, led my first march when I was 13. So I was like very active and very kind of politically, I guess, minded. Graduated law school with $300,000 in student loan debt, living in the Midwest. Yep. Were you like, um, so oftentimes like if, when it's like the first generation child, like your parents are like, you will make it, you must get all the grades, you must do all the things. Was, was that your experience growing up? Yes. I think that they, yeah, they always pushed me and to excel. And I felt like a lot of guilt because they had sacrificed so much. And, you know, here were two people that had come to this country in their twenties. They didn't have any friends. They didn't know the language, you know, they had basically had an arranged marriage, right? So they themselves were kind of figuring each other out. My mother was eight months pregnant with my sister. And so I didn't feel like I had the right to be anything but the good daughter, right? Mm -hmm. The good little girl. And so I very much lived my life that way. And I think what ended up happening is I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. And when I graduated with all that student loan debt, I was like, okay, I, let me go get a job at a fancy law firm, make a lot of money, make my parents happy. Because I mean, when I got my first paycheck at the law firm, my father framed it because this was <laughs> like what coming to America meant, right? 
And so I had a lot of guilt and a lot of sense of obligation. Yeah. But I was miserable. I was in this job that I hated in a life I didn't want. And I felt really stuck. And I remember kind of 10 years, you know, not 10 years, but maybe like six, seven years into it, uh, my best friend called me. And I remember walking into like this windowless conference room at my job and just crying. And Deepa was like, just quit. And it sounds so obvious, in, but hearing her say that gave me so much permission that I didn't feel that no one had given me before that I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit. Like, I'm going to quit. And it, it, um, and instead of like going and getting a job, I decided to run for office because that was my dream. Right. So I think in my mind, I was like, all right, if I'm going to be bold enough to quit, I'm going to go pursue my dream. And I just didn't know any better. I didn't know. I thought I could shake every hand, meet every voter. Right. And, um, it was blissful naivety that led me to run for Congress. Um, and I think it's uh, in many ways probably leading a lot of young, young folks and women to run, which is awesome because it's transforming our country. And, but that didn't happen for me. I lost miserably, like not even close, like 19% of the vote. Oh. I'm broke, I'm humiliated, but I'm not broken. Hmm. And that was the big aha. Like I wasn't broken. Mm. And it was the beginning of living my life brave, not perfect. Mm. I love, I love that story. I mean, it's so brave. And and you know what? There's um there's a hospice nurse who wrote a blog post and then a book years ago, and she had sat with thousands of people who were dying, you know, who had spent a lot of time with the dying. And the number one, she wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret of the dying is that I, the number one was, I, I wish I had led the life that was true to me. Mm. And you, you did that, you know, you took that, that step that a lot of people don't do. You did it before you like hit, (laughs) 50 and you know um, I'm proud of you high five Reshma. Good job. <laughs> so that's awesome so but then you're like you're you're there you're like okay I just lost congress and you're broke so then what then what happens so I'm like I'm not going back like I'm not going back to a life that I felt dead in and to me what was awesome about the campaign was like like I was meeting people, I was seeing problems, I was thinking about solutions. And one of the big things that I saw was I'd walk into these computer labs that were just full of little boys learning how to code, like not a girl in sight hunter. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, where are the girls? And so when I lost and I thought about what I want to do next, I kept thinking about those girls I never saw. And basically for two years after that, you know, I, I then got a job as the deputy public advocate of New York City. So I'm working in government. But during lunch and after work, you know, of course, before kids, I had a side hustle. And my side hustle was trying to understand everything about why girls weren't going into computing and computer science and where women were in tech. And I would, you know, meet with teachers, meet with PhD students, meet with people in industry, like meet with incredible women, computer scientists. And just like approached it like a research assignment. Like I was writing a book report, right. And trying to understand a problem and thinking about what the solution, what could the solution look like? And that's really how I came up with girls who code. And look, I wasn't a coder. Like I was not a coder. Like I had no business building this movement, 
But in some ways, again, because I lost that race and it didn't break me, I had this sense of fire. I had this sense of courage. I had this sense of bravery that like I could do anything I wanted to do, even if I wasn't, quote, prepared or, quote, an expert in it. And that's how I started Girls Are Good. Parenting can be loud, stressful, and rough some days. And we want to be able to go to bed and take care of ourselves in a really beautiful way. And that's why I love that Cozy Earth is a sponsor of the podcast. Cozy Earth offers bedding products that will transform your sleep. The bedding is temperature regulating, which is like a huge sleep benefit, has superior softness, incredible fabric, and incredibly high quality. All the products come with a 10-year warranty. Truly, incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and your overall wellness. You deserve to treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence after all the day's craziness of parenting with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear. And it's a way to prioritize your self-care and sleep health. You deserve it. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use the code MINDFUL35 for 35% off. That's awesome. At CozyEarth.com. That's coupon code MINDFUL35 for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. That's so cool. I know. I I saw one time that you you didn't code yourself and I thought, huh, wow, isn't that isn't that fascinating? So for the listener who doesn't know, like all you can tell them better, I'm sure, but Girls Who Code is is famous organization now uh, that's helping girls learn how to code. And I was like checking out your your map of where you have organizations. And, like there was like, it was hard to find a place where there wasn't a girl's <laughs> code in the United States. I found like five in my tiny little state of Delaware. And I, everywhere. It, they're everywhere. They're, it, it's really, really exciting. You probably have the numbers about how many girls yeah. have kind of gone through the program now. We've taught 185,000 girls in seven years. We have 6,000 after-school clubs in all 50 states. Wow. We're going international. I'm actually getting on a flight in a couple of weeks and going to Jordan because I want to start teaching refugee girls how to code. Wow. And it's, you know, it's girls all across the country from all walks of life. Poor girls, rich girls, trans girls, gay girls, black girls, Latina girls. I mean, you name it, right? Everywhere. And 
because I really believe that we have to give all of our girls opportunity and the future of work is technology. And I'm going to make sure that our girls are not left behind. Uh, so we've created this beautiful sisterhood that's just so powerful. And yeah. And again, it's, it's a movement that grew out of my, out of failure, which I think is so interesting. And it grew out of bravery and it grew out of unlearning perfectionism. I love that. I love that. And it's like, I love that it was like, okay, you know, for you, sort of this door closed and you're like, okay, this door closed. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean you stop. Like there's this persistence. And what I related to in your story about this is like for myself, I worked as um, an artist for, for many years, getting my work out. And, you know, I eventually got work in group shows in New York and I've had different levels of success, but it, it, working that world is like, I kind of felt like, oh God, it's like banging my head against the <laughs> wall constantly. But it's just like, it really um, inoculated me against like failure because it would be like failure, failure, 80% failure. And then like, I'd get something and then it'd be like, let's get like a lot more failure. <laughs> and then maybe one other thing. And that's, I almost feel like so grateful for that because then everything I've done after that has been like, oh, wow, it's so much easier than the art world <laughs> that, you know, it's it's almost helpful to get started and to have this sort of like, have this failure happen to you right away so that you can say, okay, well, that doesn't, it's not the be all and end all of everything, but you're seeing in your work with girls that girls are... This is, it's not just the coding, it's not just the tech world, but yeah. you're saying that it sounds like in your own life, but also in general, that girls are really taught to avoid risk and avoid failure in general. So tell me yeah. a little bit more about that. So, you know, girls are socialized, uh, you know, the way we raise our girls and boys is very different, right? We tell our boys to, you know, climb to the top of the monkey bars and jump. But with our girls, it's like, be careful, honey, you know, don't swing too high. You know, did you take that toy away from her? Give it back. You know, is your dress dirty? Let me, let me fix you up. And all you have to do is sit on the playground for 10 minutes and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And this isn't conscious, right? It's almost become second nature. It's the way we were raised. It's the way we're raising our kids. And so what happens is because we raise our boys to take risks and to be fearless, bravery is second nature to them. When they get older, they, you know, ask for raises, they ask for promotions that they're not qualified for, they launch startups with abandon. But for our girls, we're coddling and we're protecting them. And norm, it starts because we don't want them to get hurt or we don't want them to feel rejection. But the older they get, they get, they get addicted to perfection and they start giving up before they try. And we see the repercussions of perfectionism on all aspects of our life. We see it in school right? Uh, women will drop out of an economics major if they get a B in a single class. We see this in work. Women don't apply for a job unless they meet 100% of the qualifications. We see this in our health, right? Women are twice as likely to suffer uh, depression than men. And so like if women are waiting to lead, you know, if women are waiting to live, we'll never close the leadership gap or the happiness gap. And so I really believe the solution to this, what unlocks perfection, what unlocks basically living your life as a perfectionist is bravery. And that's what I'm on a mission to teach. So would you say you were a perfectionist before you did your, your brave step? 
yeah, I mean, I think that I am constantly, and I still don't feel like it's one and done. Mm -hmm. I still feel like I worry about what people think about me. I'm sometimes afraid to take a risk. I, you know, feel like, especially as a mom, that I have to be a martyr. Mm -hmm. Because again, so much of this perfect, so much of our mommy guilt is wrapped up in perfectionism, isn't it? And so it's a constant journey for me, but I do think that what I, I'm better at it now, right? I'm better at identifying, Reshma, you're doing that again, right? Stop rereading that email. Just send it. No one cares about your damn typo, right? Or it's okay. You don't, you can just go to Whole Foods and buy a bunch of cupcakes. You don't have to stay up all night baking cupcakes, you know, baking cupcakes. So everyone thinks you're an awesome mom. Like, so I catch myself in it, but I still think we're so deeply ingrained. We're so deeply socialized to be that way that it's a process. So, so kind of what I'm hearing from you is that like this, you know, and this perfectionism, it's definitely pervasive. I see it in a lot of like my clients I work with. And I see as soon as somebody says perfectionism, you know, I see not good enough, right? Like that, that basically equals like a feeling, a constant feeling of not good enough. And you're always kind of reaching for this feeling of good enough. Whereas you're saying like, boys, they're, they're good. They're good enough. So they're like, what can I do in the world? So, so for, so for ourselves, it sounds like the solution maybe to this problem or is to just push ourselves to just let go, let things be good enough and not perfect. Um, well, I think, look, I think it's, look, so I think for the moms that are listening and you have daughters, I think it's about being conscious of the things that were done to us and not doing them to our girls. So letting our daughters tinker and to take things apart, not letting them walk away when they get frustrated. If they suck at gymnastics, don't pull them out and put them into soccer. Let them know what it feels like to just be a bee. It's okay. Right. And, you know, I think encouraging them to get out of their comfort zone, right? Finding them, you know, something that they like to do. And, and I think sometimes what happens, and this happens by the time I feel like we're eight years old, we get confused uh, between the things that we're good at and the things that we like, right? So we're like, okay, I'm really good at debate. I may not like it, but I'm good at it. So I'm going to stick with it. And really untangling the two, I think it's really important for identifying what your passion is. I think the older that we get as women, I really believe it in my book. I think that there are strategies that you engage in to unlearn perfectionism, right? So one, I would say like simple things like sending an email with a typo in it, right? Bringing store-bought cookies, uh, not going to work with the, or to the grocery store with the full face of makeup on. Like, because I think the thing is, is that we think if we're, if we're not perfect, everything will fall apart. So when you practice imperfection, you recognize, oh my God, things are not going to fall apart. Like I'm spending all these, all this time, all this energy, all this effort. I interviewed a, um, a professor of sociology yesterday and she was saying, again, we think like if we go to work or if we go to the grocery store without makeup or sweatpants, we think everybody's looking at us, but really nobody's looking at you. Everyone's too focused on themselves to focus on you. And so when you engage in those activities and those acts of imperfection, you realize like, wow, I have put way too much stake into this. Mm-hmm. And so it, again, it unlearns a behavior that we've been conditioned to kind of be from the time that we're little. 
Um, again, this idea of, you know, it's funny, I'm 43 years old and I realized in writing this book, like, I don't even know what my hobbies are anymore. I don't even know what I like. I know what I'm good at. I don't know what I like. And I found myself really like, like, I really like yoga. I'm not good at it, but I would avoid doing it because I didn't feel like I could do a handstand or a child's pose. And, and, or I would go to a yoga class and just sit in the back of the class and pray nobody was looking at me and just judge myself the whole time. I stopped doing that. Like now I just go to yoga and, you know, I do what I can do. And I love that Shavasana and I just chill. Hmm. So I approach life that way. I look and I seek things out that like, I don't know, I've always like, I look at people skateboarding and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. You know, but I've told myself probably since I was a little girl that like, I just, it, you know, I can't do that. I'm scared of going fast. You know, even I'm scared of like decline on a bike. So again, I think really, and I think summer's a great time to like put yourself out there and and find activities and things that kind of scare you a little bit because that's what it means to feel alive. Mm, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that whole idea that growth is outside of your comfort zone, right? It sounds like, you know, in the mindfulness world, there's a, we're specifically practicing with like noticing the judging mind, right? Like, oh, hello, judgment. There you are, right? And like, because we do that, we just do it constantly that we judge. It's kind of natural human behavior, but we can decondition it. And it sounds like that's kind of where you, you come around to is like looking at that judgment of ourselves and, and yeah. just practicing to kind of, you know, say, hey, what's up, judging mind? I can do what, <laughs> what I want. Right. It's like meditation, right? They say, yeah, thoughts are going to come. Let them come. Right. Just notice them coming. It's the same thing. Right. I was at a dinner last night with all these amazing women. And then I remember kind of afterwards going home and be like, oh, shoot, did I talk too much? Did I, is that what I, did I say something stupid? Like, and I just, and again, doesn't mean I didn't feel that way, but I noticed my, I noticed myself thinking that and, and kind of calling myself on like, you're doing that, right? You're judging yourself, right? You're not being nice to yourself, right? And and I again, it's very much like meditation. It's like noticing the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So not trying to stop them, but noticing them. And then also kind of getting getting outside your comfort zone. So kind of what what would that be like? What would that be like? I'm trying to think now what that would be like what for me. That? But that's where growth is, right? Yeah. By definition, it's it's outside of your comfort zone. So. I love that we're talking about like parents or adults first, right? Like, because we do have to live what we want our kids to learn, right? It's like they're, they got, they've got some great BS meters if we're not walking the talk. All the time. I don't know. It's all moms are, people grab me and it's like, yeah, I'm going to give this to my daughter. I'm like, no, no, no. You read it. Right. But we quickly go from, I'm, I'm too fucked up already. Right. Like I can't help myself, but I'm going to help her. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can. You know what I mean? It's not too late for you. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Because that's what I say about the mindfulness practice all the time. It's like, oh, they're like, here's strategies for me to calm down my kids. No, you know what? You do it first. (laughs) You do it first. So, but then that said, right? Like this is something that, uh, especially as say we are um, a parent of daughters or say you're a mom of a daughter, you have to role model some bravery. But then how can then, you know, we do this for our kids? And I want to just share with you, Rush. I'm so excited because I, like my daughter, my, I've got like a 
programmer husband, and he's been teaching them how to code. But also, they are kids who have climbed lots of trees. And I would just say, okay, I'm here to spot you. Um, and they ha- they do they they've taken. You know, I have a daughter who she. You know, we have a couple of these like old fashioned swing sets in our neighborhood that like are wicked high, you know, they're just super tall. And my daughter for a couple, for like all of last year, she would shimmy herself up the pole of the playground and sit on the top of the, the swing set. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And she would scare so many other people's parents of <laughs> the other parents. And I'd be like, it's okay. You know, I know she can do this. And I also knew that she could do it because I had watched her many times she learned how to trust her body because I said, how does it feel to you to be up there? Does that place feel safe? And she'd be like, yes. And then she'd be like, oh, but this doesn't. And she would back away from that. So she learned to kind of trust her body and learned what, what felt like a, an ex- you know, a, a conscious kind of risk or growth area. But anyway, so I just want to share that with you that I'm I like, I, I'm Woo-hoo! so... <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. uh, I love that tip about how does this feel? Because again, you're encouraging her to tap into what she feels and not what other people are telling her she should feel, you know? Yeah. What is, what is it inside your body that is, is, um, you know, tap into your own, own self-knowledge. So we're, we're unconsciously, we're unconsciously socializing girls differently. We're unconsciously socializing them to be kind of perfect. What are some of the things that, what, you know, you mentioned a few things, but what are some of the things that we're doing that we can start to like say, oh, look, I'm doing that thing. And what are some of the things that we could do to encourage them to be a little braver if the listener is not like wanting their child to climb to the very top of the tall swing set? (laughs) <laughs> so I think it is from a young age letting them tinker and to take things apart and to build things, right? And I, I'm and letting them get dirty. I, I can't emphasize the amount of the importance I think of messiness and allowing, like, again, like I think so. And I have found this I, I, myself when I started having kids, and I'd get like a complicated toy, and I would like look at the instructions, and if I couldn't figure it out in a minute. I would just get frustrated and I'd like throw it to my husband and be like, can you do this for me? Because I realized that no one really taught me to use my hand. Yeah. You know? And so getting, teaching your daughters to use their hands. So like when the toilet's broken, go take them to fix it. If you're putting mm-hmm. something together, you're putting a bike together, have them sit with you and figure it out. And it's not our natural inclination to do that with our girls. Mm-hmm. And so catch yourself on that. Um, you know, I had a dad whose parents had sent a Cano computer kit to his son and his son wasn't interested in it. And he said, you know, Rush, until we talked, I realized I had never offered my daughter, Sophie, the opportunity of playing with the computer kit. So we don't even kind of, even in our own homes, there's kind of things we think our girls will like and things we think our boys will like. And don't make that differential, like offer them equal access, right, to things. And I think go out of your way to... Uh, encourage your daughters to tinker and to take things apart and to build things. I think the second thing is, is, and I think this starts happening around six to eight, you see your girls very much believing that they're either good at things or bad at things. You know, Carol mm-hmm. Dweck talks about this as the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. So when they get frustrated, don't let them walk away. Let mm-hmm. them sit in their frustration 
Let them figure it out. And I think that that is the, the, the undoing of giving up before you even try. Yeah. Yeah. As parents, we know that there are so many things in life that we have to compromise on. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that doctor that doesn't really listen to you. Instead, check out ZocDoc. This is a place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, there's no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you actually know about. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com mindful and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash mindful. ZocDoc.com mindful. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. That's great. Sit in the frustration. Yeah, because the frustration is not going to kill you. This is just a feeling in the body. These are just sensations in the body. It's just a story that we're telling ourselves. And if we can say, you know, that's frustrating. I see you. Can I offer some empathy? That stinks. You know, I know everything to borrow a phrase from Marie Forleo, I love this phrase, everything is figureoutable. I know things are figureoutable. I wonder how, how we'll figure this out. I love that. And um, let them sit in the frustration. And you're saying encourage them to tinker. I think I want to underline that because the, uh, the thing is like maybe we can give them access to it, but it's probably is smart to like encar- actively encourage it be- just because in general our society is kind of not encouraging it, right? No. Like there's, you know, there's, you know, we, we have to kind of offer a little bit of boost for it yeah. uh, from our end. Yeah. Like there's a great toy company called Little Bits. And if you walk down the toy aisle for girls, you won't necessarily find a lot of things that are about for building and creating for girls. You've got, you, you got to work at it um, because it's not, we're not naturally inclined to come home with a, a, a set of like, you know, like when I think about like, all the Legos that are out there that they're building, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars characters or spaceships or fire. Tra- I mean, we are constantly in the toy business encouraging boys to put things apart and to, to build and create and innovate. And we have to do the same thing with our girls. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's a, you would like, uh, there's a wonderful, also another, I'll give a shout out to the, um, the four small hands catalog and it's like a Montessori catalog. And I was able to, you can get actual tools for kids that are, that actually work like little choppers, uh, that they can cut vegetables with. And also like a little, uh, toolkit. (laughs) So we got them. I think maybe when she was seven or six or something this toolkit has like a little handsaw in it and they're like you know so we taught her taught him how to use the handsaw and we for a while everything around us was like being hammered and and like this hand drill and drilled into and sawed that so i'll give a a shout out to them all right so we want to we want to we want to work on that fit growth mindset help them get kind of so we instead of like jumping in this is what happens right is like we when our kids say oh my god i'm so frustrated help me they want us to jump in and solve the problem don't jump in and solve their problem yes and that's patience i mean i've realized that for me i am like i did an instagram post about this like i'm always so fast so I've noticed even with my son, like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, fine, I'm just going to put your shoes on for you, right? Or, okay, I'm just going to put your jacket on for you. And part of it is because we're moving so fast, we need to actually have the patience to sit back and let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that it's, you know, and it's for both boys and girls, but part of it is I do think that we are just more inclined to help our girls and more inclined to tell our boys, well, come on, just figure it out, toughen up, come on. Because we think, again, we're socialized to believe and our, the way our parents raised us and the way we were raised that, that we have to like man up our boys. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So then we need to, we need to bring a little bit of that energy to our girls. So it must be interesting for you to have like had a little boy after all of this work around girls to have had a little boy. Um, And (laughs) you know, it, and I, I think, you know, people kind of debate of whether things are sort of nature and nurture. And it's, it's always been so interesting to me because I always see people who have like a kid or a couple kids or f- three kids say, oh, my girls are like this and my boys are like this. And I always like, well, my girls are really loud and they wrestle too. Like I, I really do believe that it's kind of what we see, what we see, yeah. what we're looking for. Like if we suddenly buy a Prius on the road, all we're seeing are Priuses everywhere. You know, like I really believe that that uh, that is true, that we kind of see what we're looking for, This that confirmation bias, I guess, right? So I'm wondering... I guess I have a couple of questions here. Like how, as a parent of a little boy, what are you seeing maybe now that you've seen all of these things that girls need? Are you seeing now different things that boys need? And then also do you, maybe it's just like, is that, are you also see that there's a lot of confirmation bias out there as far as the gender roles? Yeah. I mean, look, I totally, it's so funny. Like God gives you exactly what you need. Cause I was, when I found out I was having a son, I'm like, what? What am I doing him? But you're, it's really, you know, it's really opened up my perspective. And look, my son, Sean, is like a little Gandhi. He's sweet. He's kind. He's cautious. He's not jumping off any monkey bars. And my job in life, I feel like, is everyone's always trying to man him up and toughen him up. And I feel like I need to let him be him. And so the, I think a lot of this point about this conversation is like, 
you know, your, your, your daughter might be someone who is, you know, again, cautious and careful, but she might be someone who wants to jump off monkey bars and just let her. And the same thing with your son. It's like, stop, let's stop trying to put them into a gendered box of how we think they're supposed to behave because they're a boy or they're a girl. And so I think it's very important for me, you know, for Sean to really, you know, allow him to be his true self, which, you know, he's a kid who's cautious, who loves, you know, transformers, right? Like, you know, he still loves trucks and he likes to crash and he loves to, you know, his Hulk and, but he's also very sweet and he's kind. And I think as a woman who's the CEO, I really try to bring him everywhere. Like, so today, you know, we have a girls who code graduation and he's coming because he loves to see the girls coding and he loves to see mama give a speech and he loves, you know, he loves to be around that. And ever since she was a baby, I just, I made sure that I created, he saw my world. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, right, we're always, we want to bring our daughters with us to work and we want to see them, see us lead, but I think we got to bring our sons too. Yeah. We need to kind of show them a different world. Cause I've been thinking about that, like with a lot of that with sons, cause there's so many now there's all these books, Rosie, the yeah, Rivier engineer yeah. and all these, you know, wonderful books for girls. The, uh, my girls love the, um, Oh, what are they called? All the little biographies. Ada Twist, a scientist and Rosie Rivier, the engineer. I know I love those books. Yeah. There's so much. And I, now I think like with me too, and all the things coming out like that, men and boys like they really there's a moment there for them too like there needs to be uh, you know a push to help boys and men like not have to man up and yeah. shove down all their feelings and to agree more i just yeah i'm sorry i could cut you no. off I'm very excited about this topic i couldn't agree more i mean i just gave a speech a few weeks ago like what does bravery mean for men and what does it mean to be a male ally? And what does it mean to be supportive while being silent? Like, I mean, and what does it mean to just also you not feel like you have to be alpha male all the time because that, that's not who you are. And so I agree. I think that at the same time, we need to have a conversation too about what toxic masculinity is doing to our boys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So maybe we'll talk about who I can talk to about that for the yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, just one last um, sort of thought for you. You are a CEO. You have this like incredible, you know, life. You've written multiple books. You've TED Talks, all this stuff. How, what are you doing to, how are you taking care of yourself yeah. in the midst of this whirlwind that must be your life? Yeah, because I'm exhausted all the time. And I, you know, I had, I get into these patterns where I work really intensely and then I get sick and then I come down. And then I recover and I get back up. And so I want to break that. I want to have more kind of even keel speed in my life. And I think I've got a lot better about my self-care over the past year. Meaning like, you know, I need to get to the gym four to five times a week to feel good. And I wasn't going to do it at 5 a.m. anymore. You know, I was going to do it at a time that might be inconvenient for my family and inconvenient for my folks at Girls Who Code. But it was best for me. And so I've, you know, I've really taken the time that I need. I have an intense travel schedule. So when I'm not traveling, I want to feel like I can go to a music class with my son or take him to school or, you know what I mean? Or, you know, cook dinner with him or teach him something. And it's not all coming at the expense of my family or my job. And so I've, I've put in more structure and more balance, you know, in my life. I've been very intentional about that. And I want the, the young women to work with me and the young men to see that that's important. 
that like, you got to be healthy. You got to feel good. You got to be rested in the moments where life is very intense. I have to go deeper into my meditation practices, deeper into my restful practices, deeper into, you know what I mean? Putting my, I, I get lost in music and music is really healthy for me. And just being able to kind of like zone out with like my noise canceling headphones and like, and enjoy that. Awesome. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that to hear that for you, that that's a, a strong part of your life. Cause you can't be brave if you're tired. Like you cannot be brave if you're tired. No, no. I love that. I love that. Well, Rashma, I know you have to go to a girl's code graduation after this today. Um, I really encourage the listener to check out Reshma's work and your book. It's wonderful. And um, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to reach out? To yeah. Follow, come to my website at Reshma Sajani. Follow me on Instagram at Reshma Sajani or on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to learn more about Girls of Code, go to girlswithcode.com. Thank you for not only coming on the Mindful Mama podcast today, I feel really honored by your presence here, but also thank you for, I'm thanking the past you for taking that brave step and for, you know, saying like, you know, F these limitations, I'm going to blow past them and I'm going to help others blow past limitations. I really feel grateful for the work that you've done in the world. I think you've done a lot of good. And I think the ripple effects are like, you'll never, ever be able to account for them all. So, so, so thank you so much for that. Thank you, Hunter. And thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I Loved talking to Reshma. I love that the work she is doing. I love this encouragement for us to be a little braver, right? To step outside our comfort zones. This uh, pursuit of always being comfortable can be really limiting for all of us. So let's do it. Let's get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you uh, like the podcast, if you have questions, you want to suggest some um, guests, you can always email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. And I would really love it if you could do this today. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you always get it downloaded to you. And if you could leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it makes such a big difference. And as the podcast grows, we want it to to grow with awesome people who need this, you know, this spark of inspiration to help them change their generational patterns, right? So that is a quick thing you can do today to support the podcast is to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. And it makes such a big difference um, for helping out. And if, you know, if, if every listener listened to that, who's listening, left a rating on Apple Podcasts, we would be the most reviewed podcast like ever. So let's just all take do our part. Please, please, please. It is a big help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I wish you a beautiful week. I hope you step take some steps outside your comfort zone. You know what? I'm going to definitely be taking some steps outside my comfort zone because As you listen to this, I am doing a home exchange experience in France. Oui, c'est vrai. So uh, I am hopefully going to be telling you about this 
after I come back and I will let you know. So, si vous êtes email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com and dites-moi uh, où, où uh, il faut que j'aille. <laughs> my, my French is getting there a little bit. I can. Wish me luck. All right. And I'm wishing you luck. I'm wishing you a beautiful week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to be having a more grounded more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable cooperative relationships with my kids and I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this and I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training mindfulness for moms the superpower you need and it will show you how to respond rather than react how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.